Welcome back to considering how to read the Bible for all it's worth. Um, in our process, we've covered preparation, observation, now interpretation, which is, is kind of the biggest, hairiest um, area of it. It's the, the scientific part and the art form part um, in many ways. Where we're trying to just dig into, okay, God, what are you really saying through this? And we're trying to listen carefully to his voice. Immediately after the, after the interpretation phase, we want to have a meditation phase. Now, I don't know how that word meditation strikes you. Um, it seems like a generation or two ago, the word meditation was a scarier word. Um, it was associated with yoga and mysticism and things that, um, that weren't understood and, and, and um, people were skeptical of. There's a form of meditation um, in some of the Eastern religions where you're emptying your mind and um, you're just trying to come at peace and, and make yourself an empty vessel. And, um, and there's, of course, a sense in Christian meditation where you do some of that. Um, I think that a lot of the criticism that the idea of meditation has gotten is, is both um, sort of an unwillingness to understand what we're talking about when we say meditation. It's, it's an ignorance to the fact that meditation has been this Christian practice for literal centuries, millennia. Um, meditation is uh, recommended to us in scripture. And so so there, there's a side of it where we're, we are, yes, trying to quiet our minds down, get all the extra thoughts out of there, um, get ourselves to a place where we can breathe and just be and, and be conscious of what's happening here as opposed to just divided and distracted. Um, but meditation in a Christian sense is thinking uh, about something like intentionally. Uh, that, that's the point, right? Um, it means focusing on God, focusing on his truth, his world, his desires. Um, it means prolonged thought. It means careful contemplation. Um, so meditation is all about, man, we've done the work of preparing, observing, interpreting. Now let's sit with that for a minute. Let's take some time to just clear everything out and just kind of, how do I feel about that? Uh, how am I going to process this? Uh, what decisions ha have I been making in the interpretive processes or anything that maybe I'm missing at this point? And, and doing that, I think ultimately, like meditation takes us back to this observation stage, um, carries us beyond that through interpretation in all the way into application. It really is this kind of glue that holds the whole process together. So once we've done the work of assessing what a passage says and what it means, we want to soak in the text, take it to the Lord again, and basically try uh, uh, to just hear from him on it. Uh, sitting with the passage, intentionally contemplating it in the presence of the Lord, inviting his input, inviting his direction, inviting his guidance, uh, inviting us even to lead our emotions and how we feel about what we've just been studying is so important. So this is actually a biblical practice. Um, Joshua is told, uh, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. That is so important. Um, it literally commanded that we meditate day and night on the law of God or the word of God. Similar statements in Psalm 119 about meditating on it. Psalm 1 uh, it talks about how the righteous person is like a tree that's uh, planted uh, by streams of water. It's the picture of just soaking in um, this truth and just letting it live and grow yeah, in us. And so this meditation phase is so important. Often, whether we're preaching sermons on Sunday mornings or whether we're leading Bible studies, or even if you're just trying to work your way studying through a book of the Bible, often we set ourselves uh, these timelines, some of which are important, some of which maybe are artificial 
but we get in such a hurry in our interpretation that we just keep moving on. And so this stage, I want us to just consider every time we're in this process of reading the Word of God, observing the Word of God, interpreting the Word of God, to also be meditating on the Word of God. As as Joshua 1.8 says, um, meditating on it day and night, letting this fill our minds and soak in. It, it ensures basically that we've wrestled with Scripture before we teach it to somebody else. Um, I promise you, nobody needs a spiritually shallow teacher in any setting, in any, any level. But there is, I think, a shallowness that comes from a type of teaching that like only comes from analyzing a text and not sitting in it. You can have somebody that is brilliant and a scholar and educated and having, having read hundreds of commentaries on a passage and they can present all of it. But there's a shallowness in it if they're just presenting academic truths and they're not letting it soak down to the level of their soul soak down, sink in, speak to them, transform them um, on a deeper level. People can tell when the Word of God has shaped our souls um, as opposed to simply filling our brains. And, and so that makes a huge difference. Whether you're preaching on Sunday morning or you're talking to a friend uh, about the Word of God, people can tell if it's made a difference to us or not. And so this meditation phase um, is all about letting letting the Word of God make us into a different kind of a person. Uh, and then And then from that place, that's where we teach. Uh, remember James, we looked at this before, James 1.22, he warns us, be uh, doers of the word, not hearers only. And so this meditation phase helps us go beyond just being hearers. Uh, it lets it sink down now to our soul, beyond just our brain, beyond what we understand, lets it go deeper. So that's what we're going to try to do. So what does me- meditation involve? I think it involves praying as we read through a passage. Okay. So, so we've, man, we've done the hard work here of preparing uh, to read the passage in the first place. We've done the hard work of observing what's there and what's not there. We've done the hard work of interpreting and finding, you know, alternate explanations, interpretations, uh, the context, the flow of argument, the narrative qualities, what comes before and what's after we've wrestled with all of this. And we have a pretty clear sense of what we think is really being said in that passage. But now we want to take time to read that passage um, meditatively, okay? So that means don't just read, pray. Like, pray the passage to God. Uh, Pray about the passage. Um, Asking God, um, Lord, when you say this, what do you feel? What do you think? Um, Why did you say this? Um, What are the implications for my life? And so just kind of prayerfully uh, speaking these words back to God, asking him questions, about it, asking him to work in our life through the passage. So prayerfully reading the passage. Um, we want to think about the words in the passage. Um, so we've already done a lot of word work to observe and, and interpret. Um, so it's really, though, though not about learning something new, it's about like um, sitting with it, um, prayerfully reading it, slowly asking which words or phrases stand out to us. I and mean, that's so important. As I read this passage, what kind of stands out to me? Lord, would you bring some of these things to mind in a special way so that I can give some extra thought to the significance of these words now that I know how it all seems to fit together? Um, and then, you know, as you get words or phrases that stand out, sentences, characters, um, plot uh, moments, asking, like, why does that stand out to me? Lord, what are you saying to me through this? How is this hitting me? Um, really important. As we meditate, we want to think about connections. Um, what connections come to our mind? Um, we've spent a lot of time studying the passage, so what are the juxtapositions in it? Um, 
or, or, or around it, right, in the context. And so how does that, how does that affect it? What stands out to me in all those kinds of things? Um, as I ponder the passage more and more, am I finding myself drawn to a comparison with some other scripture? Is there a psalm, for example, that comes out um, as I think about this New Testament letter, for example? Um, a lot of times those kinds of connections will help us um, come to a deeper feel or deep, deeper understanding or deeper appreciation, perhaps, a deeper enjoyment of this part of the Bible that I'm reading. So we're going to think about those connections. Um, how do I think about present-day realities? As I'm contemplating this passage, does it connect with some reality I'm experiencing or a friend of mine is experiencing or Christians in general are experiencing or lost uh, lost sheep in general are experiencing? So present-day realities, letting those kind of come in as we meditate um, as a connecting point to the passage um, that we have. We might, as part of the meditation process, um, uh, we might uh, consider memorizing the passage. It, it really is a helpful discipline to hide the Word of God in our heart, uh, so to speak. Making the words sort of a way of life, like thinking about them so much that they become ingrained in our memories and in our life. Part of the mental furniture, you might say, um, of how we live our lives. I mean, that, there's some passages that just are so beneficial to memorize and just to take with us everywhere we go. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense for every passage that you might study. Um, some are really long. Some of them are, you know, kind of obscure. Um, some of them are long narrative passages. Maybe that doesn't make as much sense, but I'm telling you it's possible to memorize scripture, probably more than you think it is. Um, and it's a great discipline to get that sinking down uh, inside of you. So that's really what meditation involves. Um, it's just sitting uh, quietly. Uh, maybe you have some music on, maybe you don't. Um, maybe you're sitting in a chair on a couch. Uh, maybe you're walking around. But giving yourself the opportunity, the gift of some, some quiet processing of the passage. Undistracted is the key. Undistracted um, uh, contemplation of the thing. And doing that in a prayerful way. Doing that before the Lord and asking him to take it and help it sink. I'll say often this is really powerful for me. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I do the discipline and it's like, well, I don't feel like I heard anything. I don't think I realized anything. Um, I think I'm kind of where I started. But the the practice itself matters. Often uh, I do feel the Lord kind of nudging me, speaking to me, moving me, calling my attention to something in the passage. Um, even when I don't, there's a great discipline in, in reminding myself that this is important to take time to process and allow God to speak. Sometimes we're just really distracted. That's okay. It's okay. And, and I think acknowledging before the Lord, Lord, I'm really distracted. Um, maybe there's an invitation to come back to it later. Maybe there's an invitation to get a cup of coffee or take a nap or something um, and then come back to it. Even if we're trying it and we're distracted, just speaking to the Lord about our distraction, um, praying, using it as an opportunity to ask him to to speak to you at different times. Sometimes it, you know, sometimes I get a a thought or a, a, an impression from the Lord while I'm meditating. Sometimes it comes later when I'm walking around or or in the shower or something like that. You know, just sometimes the Lord will plant that seed later and, and we get the opportunity to come back to it again. The last thing I want to do on this short session on meditation, because it, it really is such a it's a it's a long process that's really very simple. So it's easy to describe what takes a while is doing the meditation. Um, but I want to give you this this ancient practice uh, called Lectio Divina. Um, Lectio Divina is it's an old Latin phrase. It means divine reading. Um, it was a regular practice of benedicting monks monks in the sixth um, century A.D. So we're talking about something that's like a century and a half old um, that that Christian people have practiced. Um, and so uh, it kind of comes back to like, well, how do I how do I do this? Like, how do I look for like the meaning behind it? Now there's 
some of it came from Origen. Origen had some great things, and he also had some things where he would try to find the allegory in every part of Scripture, and um, I don't think that's usually very helpful to do, especially as we're seeking authorial intent and the plain meaning and things like that. But regardless, um, thinking about Scripture, like, why would we uh, object to that? So this Lectio Divina process is, is pretty old, and, and, it, and it looks like this. There's a few elements. First of all is silence. Okay, so you're going to quiet yourself down. You're going to prepare to hear from God. It means slowing down. It means letting go. Um, Really, there's no set amount of time for silence here. Um, But probably we should sit in silence for a longer time than feels comfortable to us. Um, That's a good discipline to sit there quietly until it starts to feel uncomfortable or awkward. Um, The idea is we're sitting before the Lord. We're inviting his direction. So, that, that direction, as I've said, may come in like these nudges, these kind of intangible things. It could come through thoughts that he puts into our head. could come from words or phrases in the text that stand out to us. Um, or really, it could look like anything. But we're just giving God an opportunity to prompt us. Um, beginning our time with the Lord by inviting and acknowledging his presence, asking for his directions. So, Lectio Divina, we start with silence. The next step comes um, in reading. Okay, so we're going to read our passage of scripture slowly. We're going to chew on the words, like letting them linger. Listen to the words. Listen as though God were speaking to you directly through those words. Um, The idea is that we want to give our attention to the passage and allow each word to do its work and to speak to us. Um, So that means, basically, just means reading it slowly. Um, Reading it slowly, doing our best to give it our full attention. Um, It also means reading it repeatedly. So once is not enough. Um, Read through it slowly, carefully. Go back then, read it slowly and carefully again. Just let the words soak in. Um, this is a crock pot approach to reading, reading the Bible. And so that, that idea of just like, it's not a scholarly reading, but it's an attentive reading that we're going to do here. Uh, then there's meditation. Okay, so obviously this whole thing is about meditation. But within this Lectio Divina thing, we're going to sit in silence. We're going to read slowly. Um, and then we're going to meditate on it. So we've read the passage carefully. Read it again and, and meditate on what's there. Read phrases more than one time, um, giving ever more attention to what's said uh, in those phrases and what's been what's meant behind it. Ask which phrases, characters, or images are standing out to us. Ponder what it might be, uh, what what might be like, um, like what it might be like to experience or hear these words for the first time. Like what's standing out to us and why is that happening? Um, if part of the passage strikes us, then like the whole goal is just to say like. Um, I want to let that part of the passage claim more of my attention right now and think about it more, enter into the story a little bit more, um, be shaped by the argument a little bit more. So all of these things are what we're doing in this meditation stage. So we are sitting in silence, we're reading, and now we're going to meditate, let ourselves be drawn into certain aspects of it. Uh, Then we pray. That's the, the fourth step here, prayer. Read the passage at least one more time, but before we do, we basically want to ask God to speak to us through what we're about to read. Okay, so we're familiar. We've been contemplating. We've been reading it slowly. We've been meditating on some of the things. I'm going to read this again, but Lord, this time, would you really just have something stand out to me um, through it? Would you speak to me with what's being said? Um, so we want to talk to God about the passage, about how it strikes us, about what he wants us to hear in the passage, what he wants us to do in response to the passage. Um, you know, we might even make the prayer itself, a, a, the text itself, a prayer to God. I mean, that's that's like the Psalms work so well for that. Just reading the text as a prayer to God. Um, and so the whole thing is just we're processing before the Lord. We're listening for his voice. We're listening to his um, promptings. The final step in this Lectio Divina 
is contemplation. We're quietly waiting for the Lord. Um, and so we're just going to offer ourselves to him. We're going to ask him to transform our hearts and lives like now and forever in light of these words that he's spoken. So that's a, a really important step to do. Um, it's a more general step where we're kind of just opening ourselves up and saying, Lord, nudge me in any direction you want me to go, not just in my understanding, but where I go from here. Um, Lord, how do you feel about what I just read? How do you feel about who I am? How do you feel about the path that I'm on? How do you feel about my response to this whole thing? And just asking him to guide that. So we believe, I think, as Christians, that God speaks to us. Um, one of the main ways he does that is through his words. And so we're asking God to speak to us through his word. Like, Lord, let make this come alive in my heart. Do what you want through it. Help me to process it as you want. Um, and that, that so that's Lectio Divina. I mean, it's a simple, slow thing, right? Um, silence, reading, meditation, prayer, contemplation, all super related and all of them making for this very slow moment of um, sitting with scripture. And I'll be honest with you, uh, when I'm in a rush, when my week has been tight and I'm preparing for a sermon, this is the easiest step to skip because uh, I don't have time for it. I know what it's saying. I now I got to get on to crafting my sermon or how I'm going to talk about this or how I'm going to apply it to my life. The meditation step, though, I would say is so vital because you're just taking time to sit with it. If the word of God matters, then it's worth spending some time soaking in. Um, and, and so that, that the scholarly approach is so important. I mean, we really do want to use our minds. Love the Lord our God with all of our minds. We certainly do. We want to be wise in how we uh, respond and, and pay attention and, and unfold and unpack. But the meditation phase is just saying, okay, Lord, I am not just a teacher. I'm also a human. You know, I'm not just a shepherd. I'm also a sheep. And so, Lord, speak to me. And I'm going to give you this time and space to, to speak to me or not, um, nudge me or not. And, um, man, it's just a gift to receive a time like this from the Lord, to sit with the word, to honor it in a way that we're saying, I'm just going to sit with this, soak in the crock pot of these words that God's spoken. And, um, and let's see what comes out from that. Let's see how I feel about it, how I might present it after the fact. So that's a beautiful thing. I invite you to do that um, regardless of what you're preparing or why. Um, you can pick a, a passage out of the blue and do this as well. Um, but certainly as a part of our poema approach to studying the Word of God, um, taking time after we've interpreted it to let it soak in is so huge. And from here, we're going to get into the application phase, um, which is our last bit of uh, interpreting the Bible. How do we apply it to our lives? And that's coming up next.